Somewhere across the bifrost way up high. Welcome back to the latest episode of Frost Bifrost. My name is Sonny Sweet. I heard of Pat Dunford. And today we're going to be covering kind of a wrap up of all the different uh, character changes we have going on. But first, let's check in with Pat. Pat, how you doing? I'm doing really well, thanks, TT. Looking forward to talking about these changes. You know, we've done a lot of episodes recently uh, following the rules update, and that's because there's just so much to talk about. In doing that, some of the characters that got updated um, kind of fell off our radar, right? We didn't have an opportunity to talk about all of them. So I'm really glad that we could address that now and make sure we've covered everything. Before we get started, though, how are you? I'm doing really well, thanks, Pat. And I do want to congratulate you on another uh, deep run through the TTS League. Congrats again. Uh, you've always made the top cut, and what, you made top four this round, right, Pat? That's right. I got knocked out in the semifinals just a few days ago. Um, lost to Mike D'Amboise. So congratulations to him, and good luck to him in the finals. Yeah, when this comes out, that game would have been... Anyway, yeah, time traveling. But anyway, congrats, Pat. That's true. He will have won or lost the finals before this airs. So uh, we'll just have to see how that pads out for him. So do we know the finals matchup? Is it Avengers, Avengers? It is Avengers, Avengers. The top four were all Avengers playing Sam Wilson. Yeah, so three Avengers games in a row for the semis and finals. And it's Mike versus Morgan Reed from Australia. Oh, excellent. That could be an interesting podcast then. All right, so for Sleeve It or Heave It, we have a cult favorite psychic shielding device, PSD, the unaffiliated active cards um, where uh, any character can spend a bunch of power and then characters within the range um, can't really be moved around as much from psychic things, right? Yeah, they also get one extra dice uh, in their defense rolls against mystic attacks. Yeah, which, which is not nothing. I have... Uh, as you know, Pat, when you suggested this, I have loved this card for a long time, mm-hmm. mainly stemming from my irrational hatred for MODOK. Um, <laughs> MODOK isn't the same giant floating head he used to be. So what do you think about PSD in the current state of the game, Pat? I think it has a pretty good spot because it's a situational card and situational cards are way better now that we have 10 team tactics card slots and you could absolutely afford to spend a couple of those slots on cards you're not going to take in every game. In fact, you kind of want to, right? You don't want 10 cards that are all approximately as powerful as each other because you're just going to take the same five every time. You want cards that are sometimes better than your default choices and sometimes worse so that when that better situation arises, you can plug them in. And I think PSD does fill that role. What do you think? I still like it for sure. Um, I'm glad you mentioned the extra die on Mystic Attacks because we are seeing more Mystic Attackers come around. Um, so you mm-hmm. might bring this in, in into a team that's going to be really push-based. Let's go like a classic Doctor Strange team. Or honestly, would you consider this into Convocation, which does have some movement shenanigans, but a lot of Mystics? I don't know if one defense is worthy of a Tactics card, but... Eh. Yeah, I mean, it's one defense in an area, so it, it could sometimes be one defense for your whole team, but even then... Is that worthy of a tactics card? I'm not sure. It's it's not bad. And it's uh, also but a I lot of power, right? Yes. Um, so I think there's a couple of combos with this that make it a bit more appealing. Um, to your first point, though, I do agree that because it stops movement on mystic attacks, it's good against very specific characters. That alone is not enough for me to want to take it. I don't think those characters are common enough. But if we see a lot of 
Ebony Moore and we continue to see a lot of Modoc, then maybe. Um, what I prefer it as an option against is firstly, I really like it against Web Warriors because it stops superpowers that push, uh, which is all of the web lines, right? It turns off the web lines on Ghost Spider, Venom, and uh, Corset Peter Parker. And I think that is a nice option to have to turn off those effects for a round. Um, and regarding the Mystic Defense, I think in the right situation, it is good enough, especially if you're a team who is a, who's typically weak to Mystic and you're worried that your opponent is going to take Mystic attacks to try and counter you, right? If you're playing characters like Captain America, Steve Rogers, Black Panther, these characters who are traditionally really tough and have an Achilles heel, then that one extra dice goes a bit further, right? Yeah, that's right, and we are seeing a lot of Dr. Voodoo now. I also think this is a great card to help you deal with Mysterio. Um, obviously, Mysterio has the movement on his Mystic Attack, and then he triggers Tricks and Traps off of it, and you stopping that movement's pretty big. Um, yeah. So, so I've, I've liked it as a counter for him. He's been very popular at least in the games I've been playing recently. Yeah, exactly. Good against Hood, who has a rapid-fire Mystic Attack, so you're getting that bonus defense a lot more often against lower dice attacks. I was trying um, so hard to think of the rapid-fire Mystic Attacker, but I couldn't. Good job. <laughs> there you go. I got you covered. Um, and obviously, the extra defense has cute synergies if you have a way to improve it further. So it's good with characters like Blade, who could re-roll their Mystic Defense. It's good on Convocation characters who have like defensive shields. It works pretty well with Ironbound books, although, frankly, that's probably just a bit unnecessary overkill um, to be that good at Mystic Defense. Um, so it has some options. I think that if you're especially concerned about all Mystic teams, if you're expecting to see a lot of Convocation in particular, then this would make it into my top 10 tactics cards. Okay. I, I like it. So, I mean, I've always been a fan of it. So I think we're both sleeving it, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I, I do want to take a brief tangent here, though, Pat, because you talked about something real quickly that I think is interesting and I've heard patrons ask about. You talked about having, like, a regular set of crisis cards, right? And with mm -hmm. the with eight, I previously was normally taking four or five core cards yeah. and then a couple utility cards. Mm -hmm. Has those numbers <clears throat> changed for you, or are you still looking at about four or five normal cards and you're just expanding your toolbox, getting a little more uh, diverse? Or you, you can even have one or two cards like PSD that... Maybe you don't use for 70% of your games, but when you do use it, it has a large impact. Yeah, absolutely. That's exactly what I'm doing. I like to have the cards that I'm building as part of my default plan that I'm expecting to take in most games. Um, and then I have cards that are character specific that I think are worth taking every time I have that character, uh, but they won't necessarily be taken in every game because I won't necessarily take those characters in every game. right? And then... I still have room left over with 10 tactics cards. And that's when I want those cards that situationally are better than anything I already have. And, but otherwise I'm not going to take. Okay. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And that, that's still how I've been approaching it. I just didn't know if anything changed uh, in your world since all those things happened. Yeah. And actually a lot of the Sleever or Hevit cards we discuss are cards that fall into that situational category, right? We talked about Psychic Shielding Device today, but we've talked in the past about cards like Mark for Death right, which is um, a fantastic card against the right opponent, but isn't always great. And these are the kind of cards that I would be bringing in more often into my roster to fill out those last slots. Okay. 
All right, so on to the meat and the potatoes part of this episode this week. We are going to be covering the uh, character update changes that we hadn't previously covered. So just so everyone out there knows, there have been 24 character changes. And just by the nature and the cadence and kind of the, the grouping of the pods, we have missed a couple characters, right, Pat? Yeah, and it gets a little bit confusing because I know we've discussed these at length off air. We've discussed some of them in our Discord, and we've even covered one or two in after credit scenes. So this is, to the best of our recollection, a complete list of characters we've missed on the main pod. Apologies if uh, we duplicate one or two. I do think they're interesting and fun to talk about, though. Well, let's uh, we we can go through some of these a little rapid fire. So let's start with T'Challa, Black Panther, right? Um, nothing too huge here, right? I think the only difference is the size restriction on his push now. There is one other subtle but very important difference, at least in my opinion, which is they corrected the timing for his leadership. Hmm. This is the same timing correction as they did for like Modok and Shuri. And this, for me, is a huge deal. It's a massive quality of life change because it was so frustrating to play with the old leadership, right? The timing was just really tedious. And because it was a leadership that affected every attack, defense, and dodge roll, you had to use that tedious timing step basically on every dice roll you made for the entire game. So I think it's liberating to have it return back to normal. Um, and yes, losing the push on size four characters is a little bit of a blow, but it's what I gladly, gladly trade uh, just to get this timing fixed. And I mean, the timing change was enough, right? So having the timing revert is a buff to him. Yeah, yep, yeah, that's a good point. Um, it, it is funny to me how long we played the timing wrong, right, before before we kind of realized collectively as a community that we were doing that. And uh, I'm glad they've kind of rectified that situation. Yeah, me too. Um, how big an impact do you think his move from size any size to size three pushes is? Uh, so first, I think it's, it's a good change, right? I, I like the change of it. Um, I don't think it dramatically changes when I was looking to play Wakanda or Black Panther. I think it makes me less willing to play a Wakanda-only roster. But we've talked about, as ad nauseum, right? Wakanda splashes so well into different things. Uh, what about you, Pat? What do you think? Yeah, for me, it doesn't really negatively affect us at all. There's so few size 4 characters, right? Um, there's Modok, Hulk, Hulkbuster, um the upcoming Juggernaut, who just recently got previewed, Dormammu. a Black Dwarf, and then Dormammu at size 5. Yeah. Like, there's just not that many. One of them, Hulkbuster, can't even be pushed most of the time anyway. Um, so I think it's not that big of a deal. You can make an argument that in some ways it's a buff to Black Panther in the sense that if you need to do more damage to a target, you're not pushing them away. Um, that's a pretty... Uh, pretty tenuous argument but it is real in the sense that um like black panther is very good at doing single target damage and that is still an option he has available to him to deal with some of those characters maybe though it's not your preferred option yeah i mean black panther is still an amazing character and i recommend to anyone who's come on and started the game recently maybe hasn't played him as heavily because wakanda's been kind of on a decline in popularity he's, he's great he's a lot of fun super mobile very versatile great scenario piece um, and, and honestly, hard to remove from the table. He's just been a ton of fun to get on the table. If you haven't played some Black Panther, I, I would encourage you to do so. Absolutely. And his leadership is still great. Wakanda Forever is great. Um, 
I've also been enjoying him in other affiliations. I've been playing a lot of Steve Rogers recently, and he he's an Avenger. Black Panther is so good uh, under Steve's leadership, being able to pounce on turn one and be super mobile and aggressive from the very first activation of the game. Yeah, and there's really mobile at that stage too. And, and pounce is incredible. Like, guaranteed damage is great. Yeah. All right, so I'm actually, uh, Pat, I think we're, I'm just going to go alphabetically through the stack cards that have changed. And when we hit one we've already covered, we're just going to say their name and we covered them. So next up yeah. is a big one. And that's, of course, Benjamin Poindexter, Bullseye, Johan's favorite character. And wow, a whole lot of stuff changed on him. Do you remember everything, Pat? Or do you want me to give a recap? I think I do because it's not, he's not the most, I'm very good at remembering this stuff. I have like, I have a brain for this trivia. Um, so he... Most importantly, went from three threat to two threat, which is a enormous change, right? Absolutely huge. And he didn't lose that much for it. He lost one stamina on each side. So he went from 5-5 five, five stamina to 4-4, four, four, and he lost a point of mystic defense. Uh, on top of that, his attack went from uh, doing power equal to damage dealt to doing one automatic power generated on attack and actually... With the nature of his four dice attack and the fact that he has um, I Never Miss as a one-cost reactive power afterwards, I think they buffed his attack rather than nerfing oh, it. I wholeheartedly agree. I think it is way better being a flat builder. Yeah, so basically, he lost not that much. He lost two stamina and a mystic defense. His attack got buffed, and he went down in threat value. <laughs> Yeah, he's a, he's a great character. And to recap, his throwing knife is a range four, four dice physical attack with a bleed trigger. It ignores um, cover. Ignores cover, thank you very much. And a flat power build now, which is a very, very enticing builder. Yeah, because with I Never Miss, he can always pay, if he does no damage, he can always pay one, dam uh, one power after the attack is resolved because it generates one power after the attack is resolved uh, to do that one damage. Super reliable damage dealer with a really good toolkit of abilities, thanks to hit and run and um, parting shot. So as impactful as all of those changes are for Bullseye, because we both agree Bullseye is in a much better place now, right? I mean, hands, yeah. no one's going to argue the counter. Like He's an extremely competitive too. We're going to get to a Koye, uh in a little bit, but she obviously got slightly worse. Um, he, he's a very competitive too, but it opens up tons of things for criminal syndicate list building having an affiliated two-threat now. Yeah, it really does, because their leader is expensive, right? Kingpin is a four-threat character, and there's a school of thought with criminals that you want to have as many characters on the table as possible uh, so that you can take advantage of Kingpin's leadership, right, to really try and maximize how your contesting secures and scoring as many points as you can. Um, so, yeah, it brings the criminal core down to a very tasty nine-threat, right? And you have tons of options for your three-threat character now, in that core with Hood uh, and Mysterio and Black Cat all being added on over the last few months to Crossbones and Taskmaster uh, and Sin as well. Loads of good options at Three Threats to round out that core and to make it a wide team if you want it. So Pat, I know you played a lot of Cabal back in the day. Do you think Bullseye is a two threat Cabal affiliated is super relevant or did they just not suffer from needing a fill spot there? I mean, they didn't need it technically because they have Bob, but I do think that Bullseye is more synergistic with Cabal's game plan than Bob. Not that Bob is bad by any means, but I really like Bullseye under both Cabal leaders. I think with Red Skull, he is just... Like, Bullseye is a power-hungry character, right? And he is only generating one power time for his attack. So his 
floor of attack and do one damage is fine. But if he can get more power, he can start to hit a run, he can start to parting shot, and then he becomes really powerful. And Red Skull enables that quite well. Okay, there's a little bit of dissynergy with Red Skull's leadership, and I never miss, in that you don't get the power for that effect. But sometimes you just roll hits on your dice, right? Then you get the power and you're very happy. Um, And you're certainly going to be making a lot of attacks with Bullseye to potentially generate a lot of power thanks to Red Skull. I personally also like playing Sid as a wide team. And I think Bullseye will fit really well into that. Yeah, I, I like the idea of it with Sin. I don't know how much he wants to get up close, but I do like your point about just being able to go wide and affiliate it to and then to circle way back to keep this super cohesive. I love the core of Mysterio. I mean, honestly, right? Pick your three. Mysterio Bullseye Kingpin comes yeah. in at a, at a much cheaper price now, obviously. I really like it coming in at the nine threat value. And I think that's a really solid criminal core. I know Utility Cookie's doing a lot of work. You can check out his work at acrossthebifrost.com. So I am excited to see what the criminal syndicate gurus come up with there. Is there anything else we need to talk about Bullseye? Because again, I think we're both really positive on his changes in general. I, I want to talk a little bit more about him because I think he's probably the most impactful change of all the character changes. I think he's the one we're going to see the most on the table. Um, More than Captain America, Steve Rogers? Ooh, ooh, yes. I think so. Ooh. Because I think... Just because of the unaffiliated splash? Because he's unaffiliated too and he's competitive. I think we're going to see him in a lot of rosters. Okay. Um, So one thing I wanted to mention just off the point you made, TT, that criminal core you just mentioned, it's all Cabal affiliated. Mm. The fact that Bullseye is a fantastic two-threat that plugs... um, That is desirable as a two-threat choice in both of those affiliations... And they have multiple fantastic threes that are desirable in both affiliations. Ma- means it's so easy now to dual affiliate criminals and cabal to the point where they're almost the same affiliation, right? <laughs> you could just be like, you just think of them as being three leaderships to the same affiliation. Uh, okay, they have exclusive tactics cards, but cabal only wants to play dark raid, and you have ten tactics card slots. So you're kind. They become kind of like one very big, very flexible affiliation which I think is very interesting from a list building point of view. What do you say to that? Yeah, I mean, that's honestly what people have been doing with Avengers too, right? And I think it's just a huge benefit and boon for Mm -hmm. these larger factions that end up with a lot of other affiliations leaders underneath them, right? Yeah, definitely. Uh, There's so many characters who are really good and who belong to both affiliations, right? Just um, examples include Killmonger, um, MODOK, Hood, like there's this long, long list of characters who are affiliated to both teams. So I would, I give that a look if you're the market to play some villains. Um, and yeah, and then regarding Bullseye as being an unaffiliated too, I think this is why he's the most impactful change. As we just mentioned, all of the two threats are really cool designs in my opinion because they're all quite specialized. And especially with the changes to Okoye, I think this is more true than ever. They all have very particular areas that they excel at, right? You have characters like Toad, who are all about um, mobility with extracts. You have uh, Rocket, who is all about blasting out range damage. Nebula is a dedicated assassin at a closer range. Um, Okoye is your tough character, right? Who is really survivable and protects other people. And Bullseye fits nicely into this... um, collection in that he is kind of a halfway between like toad and rocket he has some of the maneuverability and crisis play of toad 
and some of the range output of rocket, right? So he, he's able to contribute a bit of damage at range and stay a little bit safe. And I think he's just going to be such a helpful two threat character for anyone that wants a cheap piece to hold extracts, but also wants them to contribute. Yeah, I mean, my thought, so, so I, I agree with your sentiment, or statement wholeheartedly. I, I always view the good twos of being, like you said, pretty unitaskers, right? They're going to excel in one thing, with the exception of Okoye, right? And Okoye mm-hmm. was always able to wear multiple hats or different pairs of pants or whatever analogy you want to do. And I think Bullseye is going to slide into that really well. I think a lot of the reason we don't see, you know, Wong or Two Widow or even Bob is they really only do one thing. Right. So getting that flexibility out of your two slot, like you said, having those relevant affiliation tags, I, I do think is really interesting on Bullseye. And I hadn't realized that, you know, there are nine criminal and cabal dual syndicate members. Yeah, there's tons. And a yeah. lot of them are really good. No, I mean, there aren't many. Aren't, I mean, Bullseye, Crossbones, Hood, Mysterio, Sin, Killmonger, Kingpin, Omega Red, and Modoc. Like, it's, yep. it's a nasty team. And really nasty. And two of them are leaders, right? So. Very yeah. easy to make a jeweler for the eighty roster there. So if you were to look at the two threats real quick, Pat, right? Mm-hmm. I, I think there's still uh, kind of two clear delineations, right? Would you agree? Uh, do you mean in terms of power level, the yes. ones that you're most excited to take, regardless of your affiliation, and the ones yeah. you only take because of affiliation? I would agree. I think after the, ch- I think there's always been two clear delineations, and now, um the clear delineations are much more diverse. So was your previous two delineations, was one delineation just a Koye? Yeah. Because I think there were three. Okay, I, I, I would say there were three delineations, but okay, that's very fair. Yeah, because I think the way it worked before, basically, I think it's incredibly unusual that you want to take more than two unaffiliated two-threat characters. Mm-hmm. It can happen, but I'm just going to ignore that corner case, right? Most teams wanted one or two two-threat characters that they might have to go out of affiliation to get because not everyone has good affiliated twos. And um, in the old way, um, Okoye was the best character of basically everything, right? Because she was the toughest character, but also she did some of the best damage. And because she could do that at range, she was a really good extract holder because she was tough and she could sit back and shoot things while holding extracts. She wasn't as mobile, but that was that was fine. Um, yeah, go on. Let's just go ahead and cover the Okoye changes real quick, and then you can finish the statement. Because I think it's relevant okay. to cover it just, right? I, I, we're, we're talking about the twos, we might as well cover it, right? So Okoye had uh, pretty minor changes, relatively speaking. Uh, Vibranium Spear Blast 1 used to be a flat builder, and it no longer is a builder, right? That was her range 4 or 4 dice energy attack. Mm-hmm. And her reroll now, um, General of the Dormelage, right, is now only defensive, where it used to be both an offensive and defensive role, right? Yeah. Um, I don't believe there are any other changes to her. No, but those are big changes. I think they're very impactful. Yeah, absolutely, right? And whenever people would ask me, why is Okoye good? To me, it was always, she was so self-sufficient, right? She's mm-hmm. able to act, she just gets a power in one turn, she range four Spear Blast, so she takes a medium move, Spear Blast someone, she has two power to sit on the bodyguard, right? Yeah. General Adore Milage allowed her to spike Spear Blast pretty often, right? It's a four-dice attack, she often could sneak a point of damage through with the reroll behind it, right? And then yeah. she's obviously very durable when you factor in martial artists and general as well, right? Where she's counting blanks uh, when you get close to her, and then she has that additional reroll. So, um, it's just, it's really toned down her offensive output, it's definitely brought her power generation in line with things now. Um, and, and I I, to be clear, I think she's still a very 
compelling character, but to your point before, Pat, right, she's not clearly head and shoulders above the other ones. Yes, and in particular, like, the way that I used her myself was Spear Blast was the most common action I made with her, right? Oh, wholeheartedly. Right? The default play pattern was get to a point on the table where you want to be, either because it's sort of secure or because it's protecting people's bodyguards, and then just shoot your spear to generate the reliable power you need to bodyguard and to do really good damage with your reroll. Um, and the other attacks only really came up situationally. If you happen to really need to spike damage, then maybe you'd use the spender. You basically never used the range two builder. Um, so having that spear take a double hit in that it lost its rerolls and it lost its power generation massively reduces her turn by turn impact because it takes her most common action and makes it significantly worse. Worse at doing damage and not fueling her game plan, right? Not giving her the bodyguard. So now she's going to need to get up close to use her uh, four dice builder with power equal to damage if she wants to fuel her bodyguard, which means she's not going to be able to bodyguard people who are far back. Um, And that damage is not as reliable, right? She can't consistently guarantee to be getting the power she wants to bodyguard. Yeah, like we said, obviously very large changes in their actual execution. Um, and and for me too, she was often one of the characters in the mid-game that I would use for a power battery card. You know, whenever mm-hmm. these cards that needed a surplus of power, Akoye normally had a surplus of power sitting on her. Like you yes. said, Spirit Thrust is good. It's a fine spender, right? But you're paying four power for a five-dice spender. It has Flurry on it, and it has, what, Pierce, I think was the other wild trigger on yeah. the thing. Uh, but a lot of times I was happy to use her, you know, if I was looking for a patch-up player or something like that, if I happened to be playing She-Hulk or something, Okoye was often the one that had the power sitting on her to do it. I do think her play pattern now, to your point, Pat, now is much, much more different, right? Are you yes. going to interact on turn one, right? Like you said, you can't really afford to keep her at range four in my mind, right? Because she's not bodyguarding anymore, unless you're yes. just happy you're having her on range four and just throwing just regular four dice out there all the time. Yeah, absolutely. I think her play pass is going to vary depending on her team. So, for example, if she's in teams that can fix her power problem, then she can still do that plan, right? Mm. If she's in Steve Avengers or Brotherhood or A-Force, right, and she's affiliated with A-Force, then she can just be fueled by leaderships to bodyguard, and she can still stay at range if that's what you want to do, right? But I think for other teams, the reason you're taking her is you're going to get her in close, you're going to be taking advantage of her incredible martial artist ability with rerolls for defense, which has always been one of her strongest features, and you're going to be taking her when you want that warm body to stand up close and contest things for you. And you have other people who you expect to be in that area that she can bodyguard in the process. Yeah, I think in the Go Wide Criminal Syndicate roster you mentioned earlier, she's still going to be a staple piece there, right? Just as yep. another character you can throw into that midfield. She's actually in range to use her strike then. She might be able to bodyguard off someone. But yeah, I think she's a phenomenal cheap character there. Um, but, but like I said, these changes kind of bring a Corier more in line now. And, and, and you were talking about the way you saw these tiers and delineations before I interrupted you. Yeah. So the way I saw things in the past is a was your best choice for most situations because she was almost as good at damage as the damage dealing specific characters. And she was in some ways better at handling victory conditions than the uh, victory point versus characters because of her survivability and her ranged output. So, I think for almost every roster, Okoye was the clear best choice. And because you only want one or two two threats, the answer was tier one, you probably take Okoye. Tier two, okay, what else does your roster want? Take that second option. There were some exceptions, but that was that was the way it mostly was. 
Whereas now, with the Koye going down and some of the other characters being changed, I think there's a very broad um, set of options in regards to which twos do you want and what role are they going to be fulfilling. Yeah, definitely. I, I mean, my third tier was I just split your second tier into multiple things. Because I think Nebula and Toad, uh, and even Rocket, I think I just had above the other twos that, honestly, I just didn't consider. But uh, I feel like we're splitting hairs there. Um, mm-hmm. so, so, yeah, now, right, I mean, if you want a melee blender, right, if you want a melee attacker, right, I think we're going to go for Nebula. If we want a range backliner, I don't think we want to consider a Koi anymore. I think we're going to look at Rocket or Bullseye there, right? Yeah, I agree. Uh, Nebula, I think, has a special asterisk because of Assassin, right? That you yeah. can't necessarily afford to have her if you're a low model count team. No, um, you need a very specific plan, I think, if you're going to run Nebula out there, right? Yeah, but I agree that she's she's so good uh, when she's on the table just enables to do damage that she's well worth consideration. And then to round out your selection, um, I think Toad is the premier maneuverable extract holder, and he's very, very good in certain crisis situations i love that he can more safely grab something from the middle of the table in round one i love that he can hand off things like legacy cures um and uh, akoya yeah has come down to meet those characters as the tough one the bodyguard who does a unique role that no one else in the two threat slot can fill yeah so i think that's an incredible healthy place an incredibly healthy place for the game to be and again, a, a subtle change, not a big change to Okoye, but a, a large impact in her actual on-field uh, usage. Right. And then the characters you mentioned, TT, Bob, Wong, Black Widow, I think it's fair to say that those characters are a bit more specialist, right? And they're less, I think they're less frequently taken as your two-threat unaffiliated because of their specialized nature. They're usually there for very specific jobs that no one else could do. Um. Yes, I I don't want to spend any more time with them. I I don't I don't even know what Black Widow's job is. The like, specific I, job is their two threat affiliated. You take oh, them okay. if you oh, need I'm to sorry. make your points value would be affiliated. You're right, That's Pat. It. You're right, Pat. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> and and of course, Bob has cool synergy with things like Sam. Like he has he has some things he can do. Yep. Okay. Uh, <laughs> uh, is there anything else now? Because this started as a conversation with Bullseye. Is there anything else you want to talk about? Our Bullseye or Corey? Yeah, I guess what I'm saying is I think Bullseye is in the convocation for one of the best two threats in the game, and I think we'll see him all over the place. I've been loving him in Avengers. Uh, I think he is very, very good if you want a hybrid character, especially if you have a leadership that can give him a little bit of extra power, because he's a little bit power hungry. Um, And I think Okoye will continue to be a really common, powerful choice, especially in wider teams who want tough bodies. Yeah, I've loved Bullseye with... um... Steve Avengers, personally. Uh, like you said, right? Opens up the parting shot, hit and run super cheap. Uh, I've really yep. liked him there. So, yeah, he's a ton of fun. So, um, yeah, we're, we're okay in time. We're going to go through this real quick. Uh, Captain America changed. Steve Rogers, we've covered him. Right? We're both really high in Captain America, right? Love him. Okay, Captain so Marvel change. We covered her. I think we're both... Improvements to her, I think we're a TBD on how much that actually impacts her seeing the table, right? She's definitely viable now. Uh, but yeah, I'm not sure. It's just so hard. There's so many good characters. It's hard to fit them all into rosters, especially at full threat. Corvus Glaive, we've talked about uh, a lot of changes there. We still think Corvus is going to be played, uh, but obviously he won't be near the menace he used to be. Yeah, I think actually he is still quite near the menace, <laughs> but maybe a little, a little ratchet down. 
Uh, I I think the husband and wife change is pretty big, but I mean, mm-hmm. as far as him murdering mm-hmm. stuff, yeah, he still he still just kills everything. Yep. Uh, Ebony Maw, we both really like Ebony Maw, right? Yeah, we talked about him before. Uh, he got the, maybe the most changes of any character. I think his rework is sensational. He seems like a really powerful five that I would be happy to play in almost any affiliation. Enchantress, still really powerful, just not as obscenely powerful as she was previously. Oh my gosh, TT, let me tell you, in my last TTS game a couple of days ago, my activation at the end of round one, I had Enchantress Advance, beam four characters on the research station, and move all of them with... (laughs) Move every single one of them with her Siren's Call to flip that research station into my favour. It was completely outrageous and obnoxious, and I'm very glad that it's got away. Well, if your opponent was that bunched up, they clearly should have taken PSD to uh, help negate that <laughs> opening, opening Wouldn't have been relevant, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, Gamora. Uh, I think Gamora's in a weird state, personally. I do like her changes. I, I honestly don't know if they were enough. Yeah, we spoke about her in the Guardians episode. I think she's really good now. I think she's worth consideration. Uh, it's a little bit awkward that she's only affiliated in two teams. Uh, but you know what? She's pretty good in Avengers too, with the turn one leap into a six dice uh, God Slayer. You know, Pat. You know I'm a huge Avengers fan, and and I'm I'm glad you're starting to sound like me now. But honestly, you could say that about almost every character in the game. Yeah, really we're gonna have Avengers. to have the same moratorium that we had last time. We were big high on Avengers, right, with Steve? Um, like what, eighteen months ago? Well, I'm not allowed to just say everything's good in Avengers. Yeah. <laughs> Fair okay. enough. So, so next up is. Ghost Rider, who had uh, quite the rework onto him, right? I'm really excited about Ghost Rider. I think he, um, alongside Bullseye and Ebony Moore, got the biggest reworks and maybe Hulk, and and it's going to impact their time on the table the most. I think the new Ghost Rider is sensationally powerful. So to recap his changes, and correct me if I'm getting anything wrong here, and I'm stealing uh, Mark Rowe's work here, he has one more stamina on each of his sides. He had picked up Immunity, Bleed, Hex, Incinerate, and Poison, and he, Spirit of Vengeance had the biggest change, right? And it now requires damage to trigger, but it doesn't have a range requirement. Yes. So I believe is, I actually want to check the wording on it because the wording on this can trip people up and it's really important, obviously, for how it works. Which so, uh, no, I've pulled it up on MTPDB. I'll, I'll read it out. Uh, Spirit of Vengeance. After attack targeting another allied character's resolved, if it dealt damage, this character gains one power. So, yeah, it has to deal damage, but uh, it doesn't have a once-per-turn limitation. So if I attack Ghost Rider's ally with my two attack actions twice, and I damage them twice, Ghost Rider is getting two power out of Biode Activation. Um, it is not enemy effects, so some things won't trigger it. Bullseye, for example. Yep, yep. Um, but it has a chance to give Ghost Rider a very large amount of power over the course of a round. And over the course of a game, it just adds up to be a huge amount of power for him. And Ghost Rider obviously is not suffering for ways to spend power, um, right? He has Wicked wicked Judgment, Hell on Wheels, a pretty good spender in his uh, Penance Stare, or Situational Spender, let's say that. But I mean, Flames mm-hmm. of Hell, his beam is really good. Yeah, it's a bit expensive on the power cost, but hey, if he's got lots of power, like it is a fine beam to use when you need it. Um, yeah, he's incredibly good at spending power, right? Um, on top of all of those things you mentioned, which are all good power sinks, um, he's got two really good team tactics cards. Um, 
so the big thing that limited him, there were two things that limited him in the past. The first was he was good at spending power, but bad at generating it. And the second was he has no kind of dice fixing or reliability, so he's a bit inconsistent. But, you know, I think, I suppose there's a third thing, which was he was a bit fragile. And I think these changes massively impact all of that. Because, one, he generates huge amounts of power now. Uh, two, he's much tougher with two extra stamina and immunities. And three, okay, his dice are less reliable, but because he's doing more every turn, you're not as reliant on him having, like, one attack. Like, it used to be his turn one activation was drive forward and make one six-dice attack, and you were like, oh boy, I hope this six-dice attack works, you know? Whereas now, it's not uncommon for his first-round activation to be activate at the end of the round, hell on wheels, beam, <laughs> attack. <laughs> or I've, I've had that happen, right? Um, or a more conservative but very realistic line is hell on wheels, double attack. So the fact that he is consistently hell on wheeling, in my experience, every round of the game, means he's getting more attack actions, which means he's becoming more consistent even if he doesn't have dice fixing. He's just doing more output. Yeah, I mean, he's making more attacks, to your point, right? So his attacks don't need to be the yeah. home runs that they needed to be um, previously. So, yeah, I, I think massive increases for him. And I think one of the things you didn't mention here is I, I think it's great that the Midnight Suns affiliation has kind of come into its own as well, right? Because I think Ghost Rider is phenomenal on the Midnight Suns. He loves that leadership. Yeah, it's nuts. The leadership placed with him is huge, right? And the fact that he has more power to use it is even better. Um, worth pointing out to people that it's really great for him to be relevant on crises because with his medium move at a greater one place, he can get past the center line of the table. Um, and um, it also lets him threaten with his range three attack a long way without spending any move actions. Um, and of course, he could benefit from Siege of Darkness as well, which is an amazing team tactics card. Yeah, so it sounds like we're both pretty high on the Ghost Rider then, right? Yeah, I really like him as an unaffiliated five because he has a completely unique role in the game, right? There's lots of great fives out there, but even like a character like Angela has a mirror in Amazing Spider-Man who is competing with her to do similar things. And a lot of the best fives, characters like MODOK, Scarlet Witch, maybe New Ebony Moore, they're all competing with each other as like these range blasters. Perhaps they've got some control, perhaps they do some status effects or whatever, but they have similar effects on the game. Ghost Rider is totally unique in that he is a character who punishes enemy aggression and supports his team by powering up when they are damaged um, and acting as a disincentivize for your opponent to act, which is very unique and I think very strong. Yeah, and I've liked him. You encouraged me a while ago, Pat, to try him in different rosters. I, I <laughs> There's podcast disclaimer. He's pretty good in either Avengers. I, I like him as the centerpiece model in Sam. He makes great use out of the movement there. You tend to be a little bit wider, so you end up with more spirit coming in. Wicked's yep. Judgment's easier to trigger. Um, with Steve, it's obviously just a little easier to get the hell on wheels out there. And I think, yep. did you mention playing him in Guardians at one point, Pat? Yeah, I like him in Guardians because you can play a wide Guardians team where you have lots of characters who are going to potentially fuel up his power. And then he really loves the rerolls as a character with really high dice, but no manipulation himself. Yeah, so I think Ghost Rider's great. I, I like your point about him having his own lane as a five threat, right? So often we see these other characters just compared to each other and rated that way. I do like that he's able to create his own niche there. Um, yeah, he's, he's been fun to get on the table. Gorgeous model. Um, so I'm I excited to see what people come up with him. 
Yeah, in regards to niches, I think he could become, he has the potential to become a cornerstone of the meta. And that really depends how the meta shakes out. I'm not, I'm not guaranteeing that this will happen, right? But because of his unique options, I think he is very, very strong as a counterpiece to really aggressive enemy teams. Teams that want to be doing lots of damage to you as early in the game as possible, like example, Black Order. Because he can sit in the middle of the table uh, on deployment, your team could go forward, and if your opposing team damages you on turn one, he can immediately punish them, right? And he himself is really resistant to being killed because of his deal with the Devil card, plus his 15 stamina. Um, so, like, I think you can have a, a counterplay. Maybe this is a bad play, right? But I like the idea of him as a counter to Black Order if you're playing like Guardians of the Galaxy or whoever, right? You move up all your other characters. Thanos, of course, predictably pulls someone in and beats them up. Hey, he's had to hit them twice to kill them between him and Corvus Glaive. Do you know what that means? It means Ghost Rider could drive forward long and he can start hexing Corvus Glaive, trying to pull him down. If Corvus Glaive um, continues then with, in round two to activate and kill the character he pulled in, then you have Wicked's Judgment, right, to trigger on his crits. Corvus gets a lot of crits and you can potentially kill Corvus in his own activation at the start of turn two. If the Black Order player is like, oh, okay, well, now I need to deal with Ghost Rider, you can't kill Ghost Rider, right? You have to, you have to KO him twice. Um, and this is a huge amount of time and effort that the Black Order player is spending to not further their core game plan of permanently dealing with characters. I think he could be very, very good in these matchups, and they could become meta-defining if, if teams like Black Order um, continue to be popular. Yeah, I think the other thing worth mentioning there is... is... His additional power generation really opens up how early you can highway to hell. And mm -hmm. if you just end up sticking Corvus in the back corner of the board and ignoring him for several rounds, right, that's obviously incredibly powerful, especially with the range limitation they put on with him and Proxima now, with cutting that range down. Like, I, I, I definitely see what you're saying. If, if there's a lot of brawly, uh, aggro-based KO teams, yeah, I could definitely see Ghost Rider filling an interesting role there. Yeah, he is just going to punish those characters, right? You beat up my characters, Ghost Rider arrives, whips you a bunch. It's a bad time. Yeah, Who else have we got, TT? Uh, well, we've, we've got quite a few characters here. Um, we've covered Green Goblin. We like him. Pumpkin Bombs are great, right? We covered Groot. We've covered Hulk a couple different times. I like Hulk a lot. I think we're both high on him. Is that right, Pat? Yeah, I think it's worth mentioning that he changed very slightly from the preview we got from him, where um, Hulk Not Puny Banner is now a four-cost power. Oh boy, that power's expensive. But I still really like Hulk. New Hulk is great. Yeah, I think Hulk not puny banner being increased is, is wise, to be honest. I, I I was slightly concerned that Hulk was never going to die. I'm honestly still slightly concerned with that. But that's that's future us's problem. Uh, Iron Man, Tony Stark, obviously got better with the Friday AI being cheap. We talked about that recently. Kingpin uh, is a change that we haven't discussed yet. Pat, what has changed with Kingpin? Kingpin got a very minor change, which is um, his hail to the king went from a throw from any size to throw three. So he can't throw size four and five, similar to the change for Black Panther. Um, honestly, I don't think this really affects Kingpin much at all. Um, it obviously was great when you could throw and stagger an expensive piece. But you know what? It only costs a little bit of power. I I'll settle for just the stagger on Hulk. That's fine. 
Uh, yeah, it's, um, I mean, it's slightly better. It, it, She-Hulk likes it, right? I, I struggle to think of what else it was super relevant. Yeah, we already spoke about how uh, Criminal Syndicate were in a great place, I think, because of Bullseye and um, the option to dual affiliate with Cabal. I don't think this changes anything. I think Kingpin is still a great leader and everything we said is true. For sure. Uh, next up is Medusa. We've talked about Medusa. A lot of changes. She's still really good, though. Um, yeah, yep. She's still a very good character. Modoc. Yep, talked about Modoc. Uh, he's not the Modoc he used to be. Also, though, he's still a really good character. He's still great. He's still great. Uh, we covered Okoye already. We've covered Proxima Midnight. She needs to be closer to Corvus Glaive. I think that was her only change, right? Yes. Pretty minor change, all in all. Rocket Raccoon uh, doesn't die to Groot anymore, which is phenomenal. He doesn't die to any collisions. Um, we, we like Rocket's new space. We've talked about Shuri. Her and Black Panther can't push large characters now. We seem to be okay with that. Star-Lord got a huge affiliation rework. Really powerful. Love the new Wingnut tokens. Mm-hmm. Ultron. I Ooh. don't think we've covered Ultron yet, Pat. No, we, I don't think we have. Um, Ultron got a lot of changes, right? He had his strike go from his strike oh my gosh his strike in the corset i had to look at it again i was like what what this is this is a real legacy design isn't it because he was a four threat character whose strike was four damage physical and gave one automatic power and it was like what is going on with this but now it still gives one automatic power but it is six damage physical which is quite a lot better than four um I mean, basically, Corset Ultron didn't have a strike, and you just energy blasted with him, right? Right. Whereas a six-dice physical attack is great. Very strong. Um, Then on top of that, he got Incinerate added as a wild effect to his Blast, which is very welcome. Extremely valuable effect. Um, And his Analyze and Annihilate ability, um, which used to cost two power, is now just a permanent effect. Which is very important because the old Analyze and Annihilate was uh, was pretty awful. It was in the running for maybe the worst in power of the game. Um, <laughs> and uh, having it passive is much more appropriate for its power level. Um, they also, by the way, tweaked the wording of it in the final release. So in case you only saw the previews and you're familiar with the changes to Ultron, Analyze and Annihilate now says, while attacking this character may reroll one of its attack dice for each crit of the opposing defense roll. So you do it at the normal modified dice step of the attack. Could give you some rerolls, which is very welcome. So all those things aside, or all those things in mind here, Pat, what, what did, does this dramatically change where Ultron falls in the world? He's still just single affiliation, right? He's still just Cabal, I believe. Yeah, which is it's always a tough spot to be in, right? When you only have one affiliation, and especially one as deep as Cabal with so many good four threat characters. Um. So this doesn't fundamentally change Ultron, right? He is still doing the same things, but he is better at them. He is a good damage dealer now because both of his builders are good and Analyze and Annihilate is passively buffing them, right? So they're better than the five dice Wild Incinerate or the six dice that they look like on paper. They are better than that. So as damage output goes, his is pretty high. And... He has a couple of other interesting things going for him, right? He's very good against Mystic Attacks because of all will be metal. And he still has the incredible Age of Ultron card. So I think there could be some spots for him where you just want a solid four threat character and you're really interested in the survivability aspects that he brings. 
Yeah, it'll be interesting. I mean, I rem- gone are the Ultron drop-off Venom days, right? For for the initial couple months of the game, and uh, you, you know, we used to have the dojo sessions of okay, how am I going to work around, uh, like you said, Age of Ultron. I I just I think he's just in a really competitive slot, right? Mm-hmm. We talked about it a little bit before how Ghost Rider kind of has his own niche, right? Ultron doesn't have his own niche, right? He's just competing. He's just like an all-rounder four, and there's just a lot of compelling fours that honestly normally have the affiliation tag you want, right? Yeah. I just realized I missed one other change with him, which is his kinetic field generator can now size uh, throw oh. size four terrain, which is a big yeah. deal. So, I mean, his damage output is much higher, right, with all these changes. He does really good range damage now. It's just that I don't know. that um, It's the same kind of problem as Captain Marvel. You're like, yeah, they do this thing. It's good. I just don't know how often I want a four threat character to do range damage. It's actually a really good comp. Uh, Ultron and Marvel, right? I mean, they're... Yeah. They are comparable, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, And they kind of always have been, as has Vision, and Vision has always kind of surpassed them. But now, I don't think Vision surpasses them. I do think they have their specializations. It's just a bit awkward, because it tends to be that, like, just handing out ranged attacks is something you could do at any threat level. Right? So it tends to be that if you want to go to that four threat premium price bracket, you want something else for your money. Because if I just want a range blaster, I mean, I can look at Rocket at two threat, and he yeah. is going to do approximately the same amount of damage as Ultron at four. I mean, Rocket and Bullseye are going to do more damage than Ultron at four, right? Uh, t- together, yeah, sure. Yeah. If we're just comparing four to right, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, Ultron mathematically does slightly more damage than Rocket, but I mean, that's not. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Him, Rocket plus anything else is going to do more. So I think it comes down to the four threats that are just rage blasters need to have other aspects of their kit be relevant. And they do have things that are relevant. It's just I'm not sure how often those things are going to come up. So maybe it just needs the right team to make it work. Yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm, uh, if this was Sleever to heave it, I think I'd still be heaving Ultron. But I'm excited to see what people come up with. He got so improved. I'll be so sad if... If you could, like, if you could give this many improvements to a character and he's still just not worth playing, it's it's weird. Well, I think it comes down to like characters have to have roles. We've talked about it before, but honestly, let's be clear here. They they could circle back a couple affiliation tags on Ultron, super relevant, right? So I don't know what's coming mm-hmm. in the future, right? That would be a huge bump for him if he's suddenly an affiliated four versus kind of an unaffiliated four that we're talking about. You're and right. Like said, you're right. Him he being has a lot of second, synergies. Yeah, and he's in the second largest affiliation right now. So, like, it's not his his affiliations just really not helping him at all. You're right. I can think of a bunch of affiliations that if he was affiliated in, I'd take him every time. So, oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, Valkyrie, we've talked about Miss Valkyrie. Uh, still a compelling character, just a very different role there. And last but not least, and I apologize when I said I don't know if we have enough content for this podcast, Pat. We have the <laughs> Winter Soldier. So, what changed with good old Bucky? Oh, lots changed with him. Some very important changes. Um, So it's really like, it's only one change that is the most important, but it has massive ramifications because how his character works, right? Which is Assault Rifle. Assault Rifle is his range five builder, four dice physical with wild bleed, uh, gains power equal to damage dealt. And they added rapid fire on hit, which is an outrageously powerful buff. It's like, what, like a 60% chance to double your damage output? 60% of the time, it works 100% of the time. Um, and so it's a huge, 
huge damage output for him. But not only that, but he has so many other ways of making assault rifle attacks, right? Because his spender, Red Fury, also makes an assault rifle attack. And then he's got got your back, which increased to three power cost, but lets him make extra assault rifle attacks. So this one change to his character um, has huge impacts on how he plays and just turns him from kind of, in my opinion, from a dud to a stud. He's great now. Yeah, he's a really compelling character. I was talking to someone the other day, and they were really complaining about the got-your-back power increase. And I'm like, yeah, but he's generating so much more power with the rapid-fire assault rifle. Yeah. So Tons I, more power. Yeah, I, I don't think it's a big deal at all. Obviously, Shocker, right? He's Hey, he's really good in Avengers. Um, either one of them. <clears throat> I like Bucky a lot now. A range mm-hmm. five, four dice rapid-fire is obviously just very compelling, right? No one's going to complain about that. Yes, it's it's really strong. It does have its downsides. Like I've had a couple of games where he's in the wrong situation. It still kind of sucks. But those situations are much rarer, right? So for example, shooting at beasts in X-Men was a pretty bad time with Beast with his four physical defenses, rerolls in his cover. I was like, oh boy. <laughs> I'm doing nothing to this guy. Um and he doesn't have the consistent power generation of other rapid fire characters, right? Because I think his is the only rapid fire attack that does power equal to damage rather than doing auto one. So it used to, like, so with other rapid fire characters, like, well, I'm bouncing off beats, but he's now got power to do stuff. With him, it's like, well, I've done nothing. <laughs> Wasted my life. Um, but aside from ignoring certain good defense characters, like, he's got range five, he's got extra maneuverability with Hydra tactics. He can generally pick on who he wants. And if you're shooting people who are a little bit vulnerable to physical, he can be a terror. Yeah, it's also worth noting, because we covered Winter Soldier so long ago, he is a rogue agent. And when we mm-hmm. talk about getting a cheap affiliated core, having this very flexible range attacker, being able to help you make your affiliated core, I, I think is really relevant for some of the smaller, clunkier factions. Or yeah, and especially if you don't have a team tactics card that you intend to play that affects everybody. Now that he's a good character, you can basically think of him as being an affiliated addition to every team, right? He, he's a really good like option in X-Men, in X-Force. Um, there's lots of teams who are like, oh, actually, he just makes my, char- my core better than it was. I'm in glad the same you way- mentioned X-Force, because yeah. I really like him running around with Cable. I think I he's not an X-Force. Yeah, the, the reroll is super nice. He gets to utilize it a yeah. lot of leveraging Got Your Back. And then him and Cable, both being range 5 damage dealers that are super bouncy between, I don't remember, the slide ability plus Hydra tactics. They, they kind of get wherever they yeah. want and just tag team yeah. people and blast them down. They can form a really cute firebase together where they can bounce. It, like, he can bounce off Cable. Cable can position where you want him to go and then he can bounce. Um, and Cable can incinerate people for him. Um... He, I think, fits in X-Force's game plan of wanting to have good ranged attackers uh, that are cheap really well. And I think he basically perfectly um, adds to the core of Domino, Deadpool, and Cable to be your fourth cheap affiliated character to do that game plan, which I actually think helps them a huge amount. 
Yeah, so I like her. I do want to talk about till the end of the line real quickly. So Winter Soldier and Captain America may both spend two power to play this. Okay, that's a lot. Mm-hmm. While within range one of each other. Okay, that's that's not very far. Close. These characters cannot be moved by enemy effects and combine their defensive values when creating a defensive dice pool when defending against physical or energy attacks. Are ten tactics cards enough slots for you to take till the end of the line, Pat? Yes, they are. Although, disclaimer, I just made an Avengers list the other day for um, the Danger Room Holiday Bash event, and I have both Captain America's and Winter Soldier, and I still didn't fit this card. But it's because of the range requirement. I can't, I'm a little bit nervous that I won't be in the right position enough, but I do need to force myself to give it a go. It seems like it might be one of those cards that's worth taking for very specific crises. Um, in particular, the secures that are really valuable, right? Like Gamma, Mephisk, Terrigen. I think it could be a legitimate plan to have Captain America, probably Steve, um, and Bucky move up to those and be immovable on them. And I like that there's no way to move them, right? There, there, there's literally nothing your opponent could do to get around this. And Craig me you, you still combine the defensive pools even if one of them gets dazed, correct? Um, yeah, I believe so. Um, I think the only... And um, they, they still can't be moved even if one of them gets dazed. Is that right? That was my understanding, yeah. Yeah, so the only weakness they have in this situation, aside from just poor defense dice rolling, is uh, against Mystic. Which yeah, is the Achilles heel of both characters. I was so about to say, is, they both don't like Mystic attacks. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> but apart from that, I mean, like I said, in the right situation, if you're playing against a team who isn't high on Mystic and you're playing on those valuable secures, I could definitely see taking it. All right, so it sounds like we're really high on James Bucky Barnes then. Yeah, uh, we already kind of mentioned it with X-Force, but I just wanted to follow up with, he is really good with rerolls. That's one of the reasons he's so good at X-Force. Uh, if you can make his Spetsnaz training work, his damage output gets nuts. I found he's sensational with Baron Zemo. Try and find ways to give him rerolls. He's probably great in Guardians of the Galaxy. I've not tried it, but he looks like an amazingly good fit there. Yeah, I've actually been messing around with him at spider Foes a little bit. Um... Yeah, I like him there as well. Obviously, some limitations there, but the re-roll helps him out. Yep. Great character. All right, so that wraps up our character review of the 24 updated characters for Atomic Mass Games Marvel Crisis Protocol. You can find all 24 characters on mcpdb.com. You can get all the cards from atomicmassgames.com slash rules if you haven't downloaded them. We want to thank each and every one of you for listening. If you're interested in supporting the pod or acrossthebifrost.com, you can check us out at patreon.com/slash across the bifrost. Patrons also get to stay tuned for a bonus after the credit scene. It's a little like 15-20 minute bonus podcast every week. Whether you're a patron or not, we do want to sincerely thank you for listening. We hope you have a safe and happy holidays. Until next time, everyone, cheers. And happy gaming. Somewhere across the Bifrost, way up high, there's a part that I've heard of once in a lullaby. Somewhere. Skies are blue, and the dreams that you dare to dream really do.